the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Andrea K Show. She's blonde, five foot two, and one hundred two pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea K. That's right. I'm so bad. Y'all know how bad I am. I'm so bad that I'm now coming at y'all two hours every night of the week starting tonight. And I couldn't be more excited to bring all my badness to all y'all out there. Whether you're listening in your cars on the way home on AIM 1170 or FM 96.1 or whether you're listening on any of the devices out there that all y'all kids have or whether you're even watching like my, my peeps out there, my family out there on all the socials, particularly in Facebook. We are streaming live right now on the Answer San Diego Facebook page. You can follow me on all the socials at Andrea K. Show. Speaking of socials, there's breaking news going on. Big news out of the social media world. We're going to be talking about that later on in the show. In fact, we got so much time. We got so much to talk about, and I'm super excited about that. Just having so much time to be here with y'all. So yeah, later on in the show, we're going to be discussing Discussing the breaking news involving Twitter, as well as some breaking news involving Truth Social. There's some really frightening, disturbing news happening all across the country as the infanticide grows across the United States. And so live action this weekend was putting out some really incredible reports. So we're going to bring that to you guys tonight. And there's reports brewing. Is it official? Is KBJ actually going to be sworn in? As the next Supreme Court Justice, maybe, maybe not. And did y'all hear about a little legend? A little legend known as, as I can't even say it with a straight face, Big Mama. The legend that is Big Mama was told today by Biden. So many fun stories to get into with you tonight, as well as the the story that everybody should be talking about tonight, but nobody but me is going to talk about. We'll get to that in a minute. But before I go any further, I got to bring in my brother. It's DJ Potato Skins. And the message said, DJ Potato Skins. DJ Potato Skins. Cannot be contained within one hour. And the liberals don't like it, though, Andrea. No, they don't like it at all. Or those squishy people in the middle, those rhinos with or without horns. They don't like me either, but that's okay because I'm, I'm going to bring my badness, as that intro said. And, hey, I want you all to bring all your badness here as well. 888-344-1170. That's 888-344-1170. Two full hours for you all to pick up the phone and give me a call. So many topics to get to, but that doesn't mean I'm going to touch on them all. You know, I really didn't bake in time tonight to talk about the reported I guess there's been an, a, a pilot strike that nobody was reporting. They blamed a lot of cancellations on on airlines. So it just any anything that you want to share with me, give us a buzz, 888-344-1170. A couple of great guests for you guys after the first break. Tom Del Beccaro, famous attorney, famous senatorial candidate who defeated Kamala in a debate, will be here to talk about what's happening with Kentaji Brown-Jackson. And then next hour... 
We've got uh, my buddy from Red Wave America, Brian Maloney, is going to be here. So you're definitely going to want to stay tuned for both hours. Okay, so what is the story that everybody should be talking about tonight and nobody's talking about it? It's a story that involves not just the deep state. It's a story that's not only about a weaponized deep state using law enforcement against citizens for political purposes, but it's also about how this deep state literally attempted to rig an election. Right. And it's the FBI. You know, just last week I was I was doing a a weekly TV interview that I did and and I was on with. And this is one of the reasons why I just said that I oftentimes annoy those that that are conservative or even squishy rhinos. I was on a panel with somebody who said that it's just a few at the top of the FBI and just the leadership. Oh, no. I said I disagree with with my friend over there. It the stench is all the way to the bottom. And there's one person out there who's doing the most to uncover how the FBI, as a part of the Department of Justice, has not only been weaponized against American citizens, but also in the form of flat-out electioneering, and it's Julie Kelly. And she found something today. She was she was watching this Whitmer kidnap, kidnapping trial where the jury was going to begin deliberations. And I think I've mentioned it before, that initially this case looked as though the FBI— Instead of, and I've reported ad nauseum how the FBI has not been doing its job in terms of routing out and stopping terrorist attacks, whether it was the Sarnia Brothers, Pulse Nightclub, uh, Nadal Hassan at Fort Hood, or the San Bernardino Christmas shootings. I've, I've long talked about that. I've even talked about how, whether it was January 6th or even this Whitmer kidnapping case, that the FBI was working to entrap Different different groups to infiltrate groups and entrap entrap them. January six was one of them. Um, but beyond the fact that it looked as though the FBI was clearly infiltrating a bunch of dopes to try to you know foment them into trying to do something, and they got arrested. What I didn't know until Julie Kelly delved into it, and nobody else did today, that it's clear that she uncovered the reality and the truth behind it. This is more than just the FBI trying to make uh, make MAGA groups look stupid. To, to, to try to defame 75 million of us as a bunch of, you know, toothless idiots or a bunch of white supremacists or fringe neo-Nazi groups. It was actually more than that that was involved in this great in Whitmer case. She starts tweeting today saying, I was doing a little prep work in advance of the verdict for the Whitmer kidnapping case, and she noticed that the defendants were arrested on October 7th and 8th in 2020. And the problem with that is the grand jury indictment wasn't issued until December 16, 2020, which is way past the 30-day window, which is required in federal criminal cases. When they arrest you, they only got 30 days to hit you up in a federal case. This is well past that point, over two months. And that's the first problem right there, right? So she starts looking into this. Well, the prosecutors had said they needed to arrest the men before Election Day because the defendants planned to, quote, kidnap Whitmer before November 3rd. And she quotes the DOJ here. Because of the imminent nature of the threat, law enforcement was obliged to arrest the suspects before the evidence could be processed. But there was no evidence presented at trial that had anything at all to do with any plans to kidnap her before November 3rd. None whatsoever. And it's clear when she started connecting the dots that this was done. This was meant to be the October surprise 
that stop people from voting for Trump. And if you remember, and I had forgotten about this myself, all the different reports about uh, Gretchen Whitmer and, and the kidnapping plot and Biden did did TV interviews about it. Uh, Whitmer did TV interviews about it, per, uh, portraying herself as a victim of Trump's alliance with militia groups. This was a way to try to foster the lie that Joe Biden was coming out telling people that back when it came to the Charlottesville situation that Trump had said there was good people on both sides, which was a lie. Trump never said that anybody in those neo-Nazi groups or militia groups were good people. He never said that. So they infiltrated, they found some toothless potheads and infiltrated that group to entrap them, to incite them, to push them, to to pretend that they were going to plan something so that they could then do a public arrest of them to sway the outcome of an election. They had no evidence to back up any of this, and then they didn't even get the indictment until December 16. They were using a statement that Trump had made when Trump had said that he tweeted out that, he, that liberate Michigan. They were using that as some kind of call to action for the kidnappers. But we all know that what Trump was talking about was back Governor uh, Whitmer was the most draconian. I think she was right up there with, with Gavin Newsom in terms of her draconian lockdowns and his shutdowns of the state at the same time while she was skipping off to go to her vacation home. You guys remember that. So when Trump was tweeting out, hey, Michiganders, how about you liberate Michigan? It had to do with the shutdowns and the lockdowns. It had nothing at all to do with some you know, tip, uh, some um, dog whistle to try to get her kidnapped. That's crazy. But that's what's been a part of this case. In fact, they actually even tried to include that. The prosecutors tried to include that in the trial. But unfortunately for them, one of the witnesses said when asked about this, that that was that was never. And you can even see if you go to Julie Kelly's timeline, uh, they were asked by uh, if if any of those comments had anything to do with any of these actions. And they were forced to admit under oath. One of the witnesses was forced to admit under oath. That uh, you never heard that. But the question is, you never heard that President Trump Trump tweeted, liberate Michigan, liberate Virginia. I have heard that of the president. But as far as what you're asking, I cannot speculate on those thoughts or or those comments. This had to do about um, do you know whether the defendants in this case, the accused in this case, were they supportive of the president's comments about this, about liberate Michigan? Did you ever did you ever come up with that in your investigation? And he says, I'm not aware of those comments one way or the other. So the entire purpose of arresting these people and trying to, it was about trying to tie it to Trump in order to affect the outcome of an election and to continue to foster this false narrative that Trump and 75 million MAGA are a bunch of right-wing militia groups. And that's, again, what they're doing with the January 6th commission, which is why we've got with the January 6th commission for the first time in this country that I'm aware of, we've got U.S. citizens being held without bail, being denied bail. In fact, one was specifically denied bail because he refused to say, because well, because the judge said, I don't believe... I think that you still hold the belief that, quote, something untoward happened in the election. In fact, Julie Kelly has another another article out today that has to do with more scandals that envelop the scandalous FBI. And Revolver has another article out saying, and and I don't have time to get into all of it, but I'm going to post these links on on to articles on my website and on my socials. That the FBI, there's five cases in the past of which they incited violence for political purposes. But she talks into in this article that she's got on AM Greatness, she put out in a couple of days ago, specifically about how um, <clears throat> the FBI 
and audit that this isn't the first time that the FBI, this isn't, this is not just a few people at the top. And this is not the first time that the FBI has done something like they've done here with the Whitmer kidnapping case. Just like the January 6th, what they've done to those political prisoners there. It's actually not the first time that they've overstepped their bounds. A 2019 internal audit, audit of the FBI detected hundreds of violations related to, quote, sensitive investigative matters, which are investigations into elected officials, candidates, or political organizations. A review of 353 sensitive cases uncovered 747 violations. Of a majority of the cases studied, 191 involved domestic public officials. And this is according to the Washington Times. Dozens of cases involve religious organizations or their prominent members. Dozens of cases involve domestic political organizations and individuals. Ten cases involved domestic political candidates and 11 cases involved news media. Chuck Grassley, who's also and Ron Johnson, who last week were out public wanting to um, push more to be done with a Hunter Biden laptop said that uh, he and Democrat Dick Durbin are demanding answers of the inspector general investigation about, quote, mistakes of the FBI and their trampling of constitutional rights. This is the same FBI that says they lost Hunter Biden's laptop. Right. This is not this is and, and, and it's the same FBI that for five years spied, lied to the FISA courts in their crossfire hurricane, set up an insurance policy based upon Russian collusion hoax that they knew was a hoax. The, uh, the Just this past week, Hillary Clinton and the DNC were fined for lying about the Steele dossier. FBI covered up every bit of that. They covered up the crimes of Hillary Clinton and violating of the Espionage Act, while 737 times they used the weight, the power of their organization as part of the DOJ against American citizens, against organizations, against religious affiliations for their beliefs and for their politics. The FBI needs to be dismantled. And nobody's talking about this tonight. They're an operating arm, not just for the DNC, but for the Marxist in this country. We're going to take a break. We come back. Speaking of the DOJ, we got Tom Debacar is going to be here to give us an update on what's happening with Ketanji Brown Jackson and her nomination. Stay tuned. Andrea Kay, telling you like it is, all while eating a donut. The Andrea Kay Show on The Answer San Diego. Sugar pie, honey bunch. You know that I love you. <laughs> I know that is the worst attempt to sing a four top song. But my next guest was hanging out with the Four Tops this weekend. At least y'all didn't have to hear me try to sing a song by the Go-Go's, right? Our Lips Are Sealed, which is another one of my favorite songs from the 80s. My buddy Tom Del Beccaro, author of The Divided Era and many other books, former senatorial candidate who crushed Kamala Harris in the debate back in the day. Y'all see him all over the place. He's got articles everywhere. And in addition to bumping up against musical greats like he was this weekend, he's here to tell all you guys what you need to know about Katanji Brown-Jackson. Hello, my dear friend. How are you? What a wonderful time I had hanging out with them. Belinda, you know, I had a crush on Belinda when I was 20-something. So I got to see her. It was a great time. Well, um, were y'all there? Why? You know, I know that she... It's a benefit. It's a benefit for veterans and first responders, uh, and it was an NBC tape special that'll be on Memorial Day weekend okay. uh, by the group called America Salutes You. 
Oh, fantastic. I tried to sing a little of the Four Tops. I was more of a Temptations girl. In New Orleans, we loved the Tops and the and the Temps. Uh, they were they were my my favorite. But um, anyway, glad to have you here with me, you little celebrity uh, yourself. Okay, speaking of celebs, um, Whoopi Goldberg said that anybody that doesn't like Katanji Brown-Jackson is a racist, Tom DeBacaro. So clearly, um, the Four Tops didn't realize they were hanging out with a racist since you're not on board with this Katanji Brown-Jackson, right? <laughs> well, listen, I wrote an article in the Epic Times about that she would be what I call a social justice. You know, when you get to the Supreme Court, you're a justice of the Supreme Court. You're not a judge. And not a constitutional justice. And this is what the American left has become. The American left has become, uh, chooses justices who believe in a living constitution and who want to right wrongs. They, th- they literally think... Uh, 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 the man she's replacing uh, literally believed that you should be righting wrongs and they should care about how their decisions affect society. Uh, remember that uh, the great, their great patron saint believed the same thing when she said, Ruth Bader Ginsburg said that she wouldn't use the Constitution today if she was starting a country. And so... There's their view that the law should change with the times and right wrongs. Our founders didn't believe that at all. They studied what happened in the fall of Rome. They studied what happened in the fall of Greece. And they understood that we should have laws that were fairly static, meaning fixed principles, and that society, a free society, would make the best choices. And she is clearly... Someone who believes in social justice, how else can you explain the ludicrous comment that I can't define what a woman is? I'm not a bio. Yeah, well, yeah, and Jen Psaki wasn't any better uh, in uh, refusing to, today, refusing to answer that question as well. Look, I mean, um, our founders, you wrote in your article that our founders um, believed that an independent judicial system needed to be unaffected by trends of society or the whims of leader leaders in the favor of stability of the rule of law. When we can't even have a, a, a Supreme Court justice nominee no, define, well, she refuses to state what a woman is. Talk about following the trends of society. And in terms of righting wrongs for However many years she sat on the bench, she clearly sought to uh, right the great wrong that was being, I guess, in her mind, the great wrong that was somehow being imposed on child predators. Some of the cases that she went lenient on are so disturbing and shocking that this woman had no business ever being anywhere in a robe in a court of law, let alone presiding over over these child rape and, you know, uh, pornography cases. She she repeatedly called the laws outdated and that this wasn't an egregious example of child pornography. I'm sorry, I didn't, I think all child pornography is egregious. I don't think there's some that aren't. Yeah, she says there's talking about, yeah, yeah, she's talking about how they're outdated because now on the computer, just in 15 minutes, you can get thousands downloaded. And, and, and she's saying this like that's somehow you, you somehow seem to think that it's okay for somebody to sit. They're not that bad if they're only, if they're able to download thousands in 15 minutes. Why is anybody sitting on a computer for, for five seconds 
Googling an image okay, of, a, so, of a child being sexually abused or in a sexually compromised position. Yeah, including this, one and two-year-olds in some of these yes. examples. But consider her logic. What she's saying is that the advancement of technology doesn't make you particularly guilty. But when it comes to uh, uh, cases relating to guns, they take the exact opposite view. That's so they will say all the more reason to take them away because they're too violent, because it's too easy. But when it comes to pornography, the easy is an excuse. Well, that's because she, what she represents, she's not just about social justice. She was picked not because she's black. Not because she's a woman, but because that was going to provide cover so that you couldn't criticize her for what she was really all about. Hence, Whoopi Goldberg saying, if you, you know, it's racist if you criticize this woman. This woman is, represents the absolute worst of the far left in this country. How many children were assaulted, raped, tortured, abused, and humiliated specifically at her hands because they're not rehabilitatable and they many of her, her the ones that she put back on on the street re-offended. The White House tried to hide that from us. Every f- extra five minutes they've got out there is five more minutes that they've got to, to, uh, yeah. to abuse a child. And she has no, quite frankly, I don't even want her in society, let alone sitting on the Supreme Court. And what's, and the Biden administration coming out and putting, pushing for, um, the mutilation of children with puberty blockers. That's, she, that's why she's being put on that Supreme Court. Yeah, I, I agree with you. You know, this big consternation over the Florida law that says you you can't have these issues in the classroom to, uh, at least until you're beyond third grade. Uh, you know, I, I ask the basic question. Why is public school in this business at all? Well, yeah. Why, why don't we leave that to parents to parent their children as opposed to the public school taxing people to push a particular agenda. I mean, I, I, it was me. I look, I was a single dad. It was my job and my daughter to present life to her. And they didn't have all these comp. She didn't have all these complications as a fourth grader. She's doing just fine. Why does the public school have to be there at all? I, I know the answer. This is, this is their agenda to normalize these things and to push society ever farther uh, to a certain end, but it's just ridiculous. And when and that's why she's, yeah, yeah, and that's why she's being put on the court to rubber stamp that. And this, I, it, and it, I the, can't disagree. Right, right now, they're the uh, judiciary committee is deadlocked, eleven to eleven. But you know, Susan Collins has already said, and probably Mittens is probably going to vote well, for her as well. Mitt Romney today, and so did uh, Markowski said today that they would vote to this. Of course, Mitt Romney, you know, Mitt Romney, the great moralist of our time, uh, is for her, uh, and Murkowski, which, by the way, is going to cost Murkowski in the. In her upcoming race this November, she already has a challenger. Uh, but of course, Romney's doing this. He, he's 
Well, let me tell you, Mitt Romney and Lisa Murkowski and Susan Collins, a vote for Katanji Brown-Jackson is a vote for child predators. It's a vote for somebody who would either rape a one-year-old or somebody that would get off on watching the images of a one-year-old being raped. That's who you're, vo- that's who you're voting for. We need to, and we need to be saying it just like that to them. They have no business. They should be primaried and yanked out. They should be, uh, it's, it's, it's astounding to me that we've got any Republican that would, um, Susan Collins dared to say last week that, that Katanji Brown Jackson was somebody of integrity. You're not somebody of integrity. Real quickly, though, before I let you go, what I found was interesting in your article is one of the things you said, uh, the notorious RBG referred to, she preferred the European Convention on Human Rights. One of the things that I want the listeners to know that you put in here is that according to your article, the uscourt.gov website under the Biden administration, they claim that, quote, the rule of law is a principle under which all persons, institutions, and entities are accountable to laws that are publicly promulgated, equally enforced, independently adjudicated, quote, and consistent with international human rights principles. I didn't read any of that in the Constitution. (laughs) Of course you didn't. And this is our DOJ, the same DOJ who today uh, was lobbying to drop all charges against anyone here illegally past a certain date. They call that complete amnesty. Our existing DOJ does not follow the Constitution or the rule of law in any respect we, we broke with England because they don't have a rule of law, and yet here we have – it's on the DOJ website. I, I didn't make this up. It's on their website. The international norms. No, we don't agree with their international norms, but that is where we are today, and she'll, she'll go along that line, I'm sure. Absolutely. Well, Tom Dell, thank you for being here. Appreciate you. Tell all everybody right. you're everywhere. Tell everybody is there is it political vanguard? Is that where you put all yeah, of your right articles? Now I'm pushing people there. We have a great piece from a, a contributor about how Disney went from Walt to woke. That was alarming when I read it. Uh, great piece there by our contributor Felicia Tweedy. Go to politicalvanguard.com. You can catch my stuff there as well. Always good to talk to you. Thank you, doll. All right. Now, speaking of uh, the Department of Justice and the rule of law, there's a I don't know how to segue to this disturbing story. There's laws being passed across this country to make it legal uh, to kill babies. We're going to talk about that and the shocking revelations that were revealed in a D.C. clinic over the weekend. Stay tuned. Andrea Kay, bringing the world a much needed reality check. You're listening to The Andrea Kay Show on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea K Show, 888-344-1170. If you want to give us a buzz. Before the break, we were talking to Tom DeBacaro about Kataji Brown Jackson and what a far left social justice she plans to be. And we know that the left, that's what their goal is to uh, pack the court with social justice warriors. And once it becomes stamped into into law on the, on the Supreme Court, it's expected to be there forever, right? The left is, is hysterical right now that they, they're thinking that they're going to, they're possibly looking at an overturning of Roe v. Wade based upon the case that was heard recently. I think it was uh, out of Mississippi, the Dobbs case. Even if it's overturned at a federal level, it's going to go back to the states. And I believe that that's one of the reasons why we've got a push going on across this country at the state level to sign into law legislation that makes it possible to commit infanticide. And that's exactly what it is. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about Maryland. 
They have since passed that bill, and a Republican governor, Hogan, said that he was going to sign it into law, that, that you know, the people have spoken kind of thing, which is insane. And, of course, they, they, they couch it under the guise of language like perinatal, um, whatever, because uh, the left is fabulous at wordsmithing, right? So, you know, it's, it's basically, basically saying, well, you know, if your baby does make it out of the birth canal and you decide, you, you know, and it's got some kind of health issue, you don't have to provide any health care for it, right? That's how, they, that's how they couch it. It's infanticide. According to Lila Rose today, Colorado Governor Jared Polis has just signed into law a bill legalizing abortions through all nine months up until the moment of birth. Uh, She says, besides the all-out war against children in utero, because it defines abortion as a right, the law could also be used to attempt to force medical professionals to commit or participate in abortions. There are zero conscious protections in the law. Tomorrow, I believe, uh, here in California, I think, uh, I'm not sure if um, it's going to be debated tomorrow, I believe, AB 2333, which is basically the same type of law. There may be minor differences, but what's happening across the country with these Democrat governors I think California here, our our laws is pretty much going to be the worst. In fact, Gavin Newsom has said that he wants to turn California into a sanctuary state for abortions, where taxpayers here are going to have to pay to house in hotels and pay for Uber and pay for childcare. So, so some woman in Texas wants to have some late term abortion, right? Because in Texas it's passed, it's not even, you know, passed, I think it's 15 weeks. And by the way, if you're a woman out there, you can't decide before 15 weeks and whether or not you can. What is wrong with you? There's no excuse for this. But if some woman in Texas can't get it done there, according to Gavin Newsom, your taxpayer dollars are going to be to fly her out here, put her up in a hotel, pay for child care for any other kid she's bringing with her and then pay for her, her abortion and then pay for her Uber trips and probably, you know, a bucket of KFC in a hotel when she gets back. Right. This is where we're at in this country. Um, but it gets even worse than that. There are some states and even in D.C. to where there are laws against late term abortion. One of which is in D.C. and live action reported this weekend and I shared the images. I shared the video. First, I tweeted it over the weekend and I couldn't put it on Facebook because it was it was just so hard to watch. It was hard to see video and this clinic of what appeared to be full-term children as well as parts of full-term or viable large these were these were babies that seemed to be viable outside the womb one of them looked far larger than I was I was 5 pounds 4 ounces when I was born one of these looked like twice my size in a bucket like trash This was at a clinic in which uh, the doctor there, <clears throat> if you can call him a doctor, a butcher, uh, said that um, that if, if it will expire shortly out of birth, he doesn't do anything, uh, you know, to stop it. So, you know, ba- basically, and let me tell you, I don't believe that he basically is just letting babies die. If, if you see this video, this, this quote doctor there, his story is that he doesn't do any intervention if they survive abortion. From the looks of these babies, um, these babies look mutilated, tortured, etc. But you know, this isn't new. You know who was behind this? You know who was initially behind denying 
child care to babies who survived abortion, Barack Obama, one of the only times he ever voted, he voted president as a state senator, but the one time he went to vote, he actually, not only did he vote, but he actually went down to the floor and argued on behalf of denying health care to a child who survived abortion. But these babies in this bucket are more than that. Let me read to you a couple of the cases. Experts uh, have provided analysis on the images of the bodies that have found Neonatal specialist Dr. Ruben Perucci said that the five preborn children surrendered to D.C. authorities were viable, premature people. Baby boy number one appears to be in the third trimester near full term and looks like he should have been in a nursery. It's unclear how the little boy was killed. She's calling for an autopsy and the coroner in, in, in D.C. has refused to provide an autopsy of these babies. Baby girl number two. According to neonatologist Dr. Kendra Cobb, this baby appears to be somewhere between 28 and 30 weeks gestational age with evidence of deep lacerations to the posterior neck, which presumably correlates to the method of abortion used to end her life. Both Dr. Altman and Cobb expressed concern that the abortion procedure used on viable baby girl number two was a partial partial birth, birth abortion in which an alive baby is partially delivered, neck is cut, and brain suctioned out. This would be a federal violation of the Partial Birth Abortion Ban Act. Again, no autopsy has been done. Um, uh, uh, The doctors said regarding baby number two, she has evidence of both dismemberment of her upper extremity, decapitation, and organ evisceration as the result of this unimaginably, unimaginably brutal procedure. No child deserves to be killed piece by piece. Uh, baby X was born. Um, I, I can't read the rest of this. Dr. Kathy Altman stated, unless this baby was injected with a drug designed to kill prior to the abortion, he or she may very well have been born alive and then left to die. No autopsy has been called yet for that one. Baby number four is estimated to be about 28 weeks old and is still in the amniotic sac. We cannot tell this baby's gender since the baby is still in their sac. The likelihood that the child was born alive and then killed is extremely high. That would be a federal crime. Um, physicians and other experts have said the footage of these babies show viable human beings whose death may be prosecutable under the Federal Born Alive Infant Protection Act or the Partial Birth Abortion Act. Dr. Cobb said even if all of these babies were aborted legally, it is crystal clear to see that this practice is neither ethical nor empowering to women. This is the American horror story that we call choice on full display. And I want, I think everybody, as hard as it was, I can't even think about it without crying to watch those images. We all need to be tweeting them out. We need to be posting them on Facebook. We need to be looking at the child killers on the left, the the Hollywood types that want to glorify, I had three abortions. I'm so proud of myself, right? Happy abortion day. They want to tout this as, as healthcare for women. This is murder. This is infanticide. And they're, and they're growing this movement. They want to make this legal everywhere. Let me tell you, at the same time that they're pushing out all these images of Ukraine, Ukraine, Ukraine. And let me tell you, I'm sick to my stomach for the people of Ukraine. But meanwhile, we are slaughtering human beings here in the United States of America. These are human beings. Could you do this to, uh, uh, to um, baby seals? Think of all the, would, would, would we be doing this to how many animals you couldn't get away with this if, if we were no, doing the animal rights activists would be everywhere. Right. So human beings. Different. It's not. 
We have gone down. I didn't have a chance to get into it with Tom DeBacaro talking about Katanji Brown Jackson earlier. But this is how civilizations die. When you just, when you are at the point as a nation where, sick. where you are, are slaughtering babies. And that's what's going on here in the United States of America. And if you are pro-abortion or you're pro-choice, you explain yourself why you think that this is okay. This is not some some 15-year-old girl that is seven weeks pregnant and is scared to death or whatever. Not And, and don't, don't come at me as though I'm saying that I'm pro-abortion. There is absolutely no justification for this. We cannot allow this to be happening in the United States of America. And nobody's talking about this story. Have you seen anybody else talking about it? Zero. I'm not seeing it anywhere. It's Ukraine, Ukraine, Ukraine. All day. All day, every day. We're going to take a break. We'll be back. We're going to shift gears into speaking of social media. Breaking news on that today. Elon Musk. Is he the new sheriff in town over Twitter? And what's going to happen with Trump and other banned accounts? We're going to talk about it on the other side of the break. Andrea Kay on The Answer San Diego. You know who's telling it like it is? Everybody who watched the Grammys last night. I don't watch the, the Scammies or the Screamies, whatever anybody's calling. But what everybody's talking about is two things. First of all, how freaky Madonna looked, right? I don't know if you saw those images going around skins. Crazy, insane looking. Um, second of all, how Zelensky was on the Grammys last night. Was he? Yeah. I, I don't know how you um, have time in the middle of a war to be you know, going on an award show. Let me just take know, a break. That's you just know. crazy. Um, all right. So um, breaking news today. Elon Musk. A week or so ago, Elon Musk, uh, Elon or Elon, I don't know how you Elon. say his name. Elon Musk tweeted out. Um, he free speech is essential to a functioning democracy. Do you believe tr- Twitter rigorously adheres to this principle? Seventy point four percent, which was over two million votes, uh, uh, said uh, no to the answer to that question. And then he went on and tweeted, uh, given that Twitter serves as the de facto public town square, failing to adhere to free speech principles fundamentally undermines democracy. What should be done? So. um at that point, people were tweeting at him saying, you know, you know, there was people suggesting and he was thinking, you know, leaking that he may be thinking about starting his own social media platform. And um, Jack Posobiec, Poso, tweeted back at him and said, you know, I think you should buy Twitter, right? Because in the idea of starting and there's lots of complaints about Truth Social and there's big stories coming on about that today about the issues going on with True Social, to start a platform from scratch. You know, Elon Musk has Tesla. He has other things to do, right? So Pasobic was like, maybe you should just buy Twitter, right? Well, this was like a week or so ago. Well, then this morning it was announced that he has purchased a 9.2% stake in Twitter, which makes him the largest shareholder. Some people are like, ah, it's only 9%. Look, uh, he bought 63.5 million shares. Okay, um, and at nine point two percent, that's worth a few billion dollars. So now everybody's saying what this means. Everybody's making their predictions. I don't. I'm not going to. I, I got to think about this because I'm not on board saying that I think that this automatically means that Trump's going to get back on Marjorie Taylor Greene, Charlie Kirk, any of the people that they've pushed out. I, I'm not convinced. It's more likely, but I'm in, I'm wait and see right now. Well, I, I, you know, I, I don't know that um, him being a stakeholder, him being a shareholder, 
um, necessarily means that Jack Dorsey and his and his team of people are going to suddenly just change everything depending on you know what Elon Elon Musk wants. Nor do nor has Elon Musk come out. You would if Elon Musk had that as a plan. If that was his plan, then wouldn't he have already tweeted out? You know, particularly when people are coming to him and saying, you know, uh, Trump should be back on there. Marjorie Taylor Greene, Charlie Kirk, all these high profile people that he banned. He hasn't come out and said anything. The stocks are going crazy today. He's making money. Right. And it could I, simply and be a business deal. It could be nothing but a business deal that he was just he was softening the mark last week with this because he had to have known at that point when he was tweeting out last week. That he was going to be buying this. He was just getting people amped. He was creating a buzz. He, it's marketing. It's marketing. I, you know, why would he at this point, why would he do anything that might rock the boat and cost him some dough? I just, I think that it, and my hesitancy is in just predicting that what this means for us and our side and how suddenly free speech is going to be restored at Twitter. I think it's it's kind of a typical knee jerk reaction from conservatives. You know, it's like some celebrity would tweet out something that sounds makes sounds really good from our perspective, and suddenly they're a hero, right? Suddenly, I think we've had so much bad news, Andrea. You know, since uh, Biden was in- installed in office, we're you know we're looking for anything. Well, right. And, you know, I get that. But I think that we need to be cautious. We need to not assume that just because Elon Musk has tweeted out the need for free speech and buys up a bunch of shares of Twitter, that suddenly all is cool in the social media tyranny world in which people have been silenced and cancel culture is still alive and well. I I think that that's knee jerk. Um, You know, I'm curious. I haven't been able to get on Truth Social. There's reports out today that two key execs have left. Um, there's reports that they're dropping. They're still at only number 35 and downloads that it's not really taking off, not having, not having the ability to get on truth social. I can't really give a comment on it in terms of, you know, I know that Sean Davis from the Federalist has said that engagement is high there, right? What's the good of having Twitter count? Like I'm so shadow banned. I'm so down throttled on Facebook and Twitter. I can't get anywhere. Um, so Sean Davis is like, well, yeah. I still have all these followers on Twitter, but I don't have any engagement because I'm shadow banned and I'm down throttled on Truth Social. He showed a screenshot of all the engagement he's gotten with conservatives. So, you know, I'm I'm looking forward to them, you know, having Android up and running and getting on Truth Social because I, I don't blame some of the conservatives that still do well on Twitter. Some of them are good friends of mine, but I'm not looking for for Twitter to solve any of our free speech problems or become a place as long as the uh, the terrorist regime of from Iran, the Iranian Republican Guard, right, and ISIS still have Twitter accounts. Why would we think anything's going to be solved over there for us? Right. Um, So. Uh, there is a big movie coming out, speaking of, of social media, that I'm looking forward to. I'm going to reach out to Dave Bossy. I had him on the show years ago. I actually had a meeting with him at D.C. He is of, you know, Citizens United fame. And he's got a movie coming out called Rigged 2020, and it has to do with Zuckbucks and Facebook. And so we're going to reach out and see if we can get Dave Bossy on the show to talk about that movie and what we're going to learn on that. All right, so stay tuned because we got hour two of the Andrea K show coming up. We got so much to bring to y'all. So don't go anywhere. Go get a cup of coffee, but come on back. Three stars.
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.